Gun Show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day in particular for one of the presidential candidates who just got the most coveted endorsement uh, so far in uh, this election. I'm talking about uh, Governor Nikki Haley, Ambassador Nikki Haley, who just received last night the formal endorsement of uh, Chris Sununu, the wildly popular and universally acclaimed governor of New Hampshire. This is going to make uh, New Hampshire a very, very decisive battle. Both these uh, outstanding Republican leaders are... uh, uh, on the line with me, and I'm very honored to introduce Chris Sununu, the outgoing governor of New Hampshire and a former governor of South Carolina and ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley. Uh, congratulations to both of you. And uh, it's been kind of intoxicating to see some of the video. Big burst of energy surrounding this announcement, no? We have had so much fun, and this has been just an amazing couple of days you know i mean we started with last week of having um the blessing of an an endorsement by the most conservative freedom-loving grassroots organization in the country with americans for prosperity and to follow that up with the endorsement of the live free or die governor is about as rock solid as it gets he's the coolest governor in the country and the fact that um, he understands that we want to make this the live free or die country um, to where we take our country back. It's it's a great day. And we've had hundreds of people come out to our town halls. The energy is great. We're having a lot of fun along the way. And this is the chance to really get our country back on track. And I'm honored to have his endorsement. Uh, Governor um, Sununu, what, what was the main factor that uh, led you to this history making endorsement? Well, I think there's a couple things, right? So obviously you, you have a candidate that has a, a better, really a better resume than anyone else out there, not only as a former governor, uh, what she did to turn around as a governor with a sense of accountability and balancing budgets and her amazing turnaround uh, of the state of, of South Carolina as the Tea Party, right, the conservative Tea Party uh, governor that got elected in 2010. Then you had the United Nations background and all of that and, and the, the need for people that understand those, those very complex international issues. Um, the fact that she's connecting, I think more than anything else, it's not about whether she doesn't, when she kind of goes and talks to folks, she's not talking at them, right? She's, she's kind of laying where she is, showing her experience, but then letting them ask the questions, letting them engage with her. That's what folks want, especially in New Hampshire. They want to know that they have a voice that as an individual, they matter. That's what live free or die is all about. And there's no doubt in this state, that's a, a huge reason why and that's what i want to see that's as a governor like that's how i campaign uh that's how i manage try to manage the state and to have a sense that we could have a president that manages with that idea not just we're going to have big government policy solutions which never actually work by the way right she actually manages from a sense of what's best for the individual what's what's the best opportunities we create not just these one-time big government solutions that is amazing and people are coming from all around right so you have this amazing conservative uh, a background uh, with an amazing conservative candidate that galvanizes the base, uh, but brings in everybody and gives everybody, I think, a lot of energy and excitement and optimism that not only are we going to get this party back on track and that we're looking few- in- into the future as opposed to trying to re-dig re- up something from the past, you know, with, with former President Trump, but she's really 
the next generation of conservative leadership that can really galvanize this country together. That's just exciting to folks, and that's why I think you're seeing not just not just why I'm behind it, but that's why you're seeing that energy. It's palpable. It's real. People people walk out of these these uh, town halls not going, gee, I, I I agree with with Nikki Haley. They walk out like on, on like tipping on their toes. They're so excited. They they feel hopeful and optimistic for the first time in a long time that things are going to. Well, get that's back a feeling. Track. That's a feeling our country needs, no doubt. Uh, Governor Haley, when you are elected president, uh, assuming that everything goes in your direction, what's the first day of a Haley administration going to look like? The first thing we'll do is we'll replace the head of every agency, whether they're doing a good job or not, because we need to freshen all of those agencies up. I did that as governor, and the things I did as governor, I'll do as president. The second thing we'll do is you send people into every agency to clean it up. Pull down old regs, pull down bureaucracy, get rid of problem children, get it mission focused on what the agency was intended to do and not be all things in that agency. Next, I gave my agencies 90 day benchmarks. They had to show a return on investment to the taxpayer. We'll do the same thing with our federal agencies and get them back to work. And then we saw that agencies were spending money all of it because they thought they weren't going to get the same amount the next year. So we put all of the spending online for all of taxpayers to see. And then we started incentivizing them to give money back to the taxpayers and magic happened. And my agency started to compete against each other. We'll do those exact same things when we get to Washington. And then we're going to go look at all of the federal programs and send as many of those programs down to the states as we can. So we'll reduce the size of the federal government and we'll empower the people on the ground. When we do all of that, our first focus will definitely be on the economy. How do we get inflation back on track? We'll start by clawing back to over $100 billion of unspent COVID dollars that are out there. Instead of 87,000 IRS agents going after middle America, we'll go after the hundreds of billions of dollars of COVID fraud. One out of every $7 was spent fraudulently. And we'll stop the spending. We'll stop the borrowing. We'll eliminate the earmarks. And I'll veto any spending bill that doesn't take us back to pre-COVID levels. That will save us trillions and get us back on track. There was a vote yesterday at the uh, United Nations General Assembly where there were 153 nations that voted to demand that Israel uh, impose an immediate ceasefire and only the United States and Israel and eight other nations voted against that resolution. If you were still in the UN or you had someone that you will appoint as our next UN ambassador, what would you say to that resolution? I would do exactly what I did when I was there and and raise hell and say this is why the United Nations is a total farce. I mean, we I, this is a new day, same thing all over again. What they do is they love to run to Israel's side when she's hit, but they all go and condemn Israel when she hits back. If that same issue had happened to America, you can bet we would have hit back. And the idea that that Israel had to see their own people beheaded and babies burned and girls raped and bodies dragged through the streets of Gaza saying death to Israel, death to America. Israel has every right to defend itself, every right to fight back. And every one of those countries continue to show why the U.N. is nothing more than a farce. Yeah, I mean, Austria tried to introduce an amendment to the resolution demanding that Hamas release the surviving hostages. Uh, 
and that was voted down. Uh, by the way, people can find out more about the Nikki Haley campaign, and it's a very, very well put together website at NikkiHaley.com. Uh, you can go to our website also. We have information about her candidacy. There was recently a terrific interview she did in an extensive interview with Kate Batchelder O'Dell with the Wall Street Journal. And uh, Governor Sununu, I hope you will keep in touch with us as you're along the campaign trail. And uh, I wish you both uh, Godspeed and uh, a wonderful new year uh, in the live free or die state. Uh, let's hope we get lots of life, uh, energy, uh, encouragement, and uh, the opposite of death, which is uh, life and new hope and new energy. Uh, appreciate you both. I know you have a busy day touring the Granite State. And uh, honestly, a Nikki Haley victory in the Granite State, or even a close second, can change the course of the American journey. Uh, we will be right back with more on campaign news on The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved Show. All across America. I consider myself a liberal. Your show is very entertaining. This is the Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. I'll have a on the Michael Medved Show, uh, the campaign continues. And just to put this New Hampshire primary in perspective, because it really could change everything, as New Hampshire primaries have in the past. And uh, this particular primary, they have we have more advanced polling than we did in yesteryear. The polling, uh, the Real Clear Politics average of multiple polls shows President Trump leading uh, in New Hampshire, but not with the same kind of lead he has in general national polls or in Iowa. Uh, Trump at 44 percent. Nikki Haley, second place now at 18 percent. Chris Christie in third place, 13 percent. So Ron DeSantis at fourth place, he's getting 9%. So if you add all of that together, it's a 44% for Trump and 40% for the three leading candidates against Trump. If you include all of those candidates who are going to be getting sprinklings of votes here and there, I think Asa Hutchinson still may have his name on the ballot. Uh, Tim Scott may have his name on the ballot, but he's not a candidate right now. In any event, it's uh, very, very close, potentially, in uh, New Hampshire if, if people get together. Uh, here's, here is the path to victory that is possible for Nikki Haley, which is, she has to be in the top three in Iowa, and all the polls show that she will be in the top three. And uh, if she is close in Iowa to second place or to first place against Trump, 
that will be considered a very major victory, especially since Ron DeSantis put a tremendous amount of resources in into Iowa. He visited all 99 counties in the state of Iowa, which is some kind of a test of endurance. And the the one thing that could help Haley in in Iowa would be uh, if uh, DeSant if she is uh, close to DeSantis because she has not put in as much time or money in the state by any means as DeSantis has. If she's close to DeSantis, let alone close to Trump, uh, she will have another burst of momentum and have a real chance to win in New Hampshire. And then after that, the fight goes down to South Carolina, where, again, Trump is far ahead in the polls. But I think that if there is excitement in uh, this race, uh, what what somebody does with by staging an upset, and if Trump loses in any of these early primaries, it's an upset. First of all, how would he react? You think he'll react with graciousness and 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 class? And uh, this is another uh, sort of bit of a, a political trivia: is in uh, nineteen eighty eight. There was a big struggle as to who would represent the Republican Party after Ronald Reagan. The obvious front runner uh, was George Herbert Walker Bush, and uh, he did very poorly in the Iowa caucuses. And then he had to win in New Hampshire, and New Hampshire was supposed to be close between him and Bob Dole. And uh, the the race was won just barely by George Herbert Walker Bush. And uh, they did uh, an interview with him, and I'm just so grateful for the people of uh, New Hampshire. This was a tough fight. I have some uh, some really terrific opponents, and it was a very gracious, and he was clearly basking in the joy of victory. Then they went to Bob Dole, and <laughs> I remember this so vividly uh, because they came to Bob Dole, and they said, okay, Senator Dole, do you have a message for the people of New Hampshire who gave you second place in this primary? He says, yeah, I have a message to Vice President Bush. Stop lying about my record. And that was the end of the Dole campaign. <laughs> it just was because it, now, what, how would Trump respond if Nikki Haley runs close to him or even beats him in New Hampshire. And uh, I think what you're talking about is that people who basically have um, remained uh, planning to vote for Trump because he's the name that everybody knows and he's been president before and et cetera, et cetera, I think it would be increasingly difficult for him, for instance, to dodge debates. And the entire race is changed. And coming out of a strong New Hampshire showing, uh, would she be capable of having a very strong uh, South Carolina showing? Well, sure. And and one of the things uh, that also helps her is she did this splendid interview, which I mentioned before, in the Wall Street Journal. It's a full-page interview. 
And uh, Kate Batchelder Odell writes, Ms. Haley is also willing to risk taking unpopular positions. And then uh, she quotes what Nikki Haley told her. Nikki Haley said, every other candidate in the field says they're not going to touch entitlements, she says. Knowing Social Security goes bankrupt in 10 years, a Medicare goes bankrupt in eight. Does that mean you're going to be president for eight years and leave it bankrupt? You can't do that. You have to acknowledge we have a problem. And in contrast to the equivocations of Mr. Trump and Governor DeSantis, Ms. Haley says it's incredibly important we stay with Ukraine. She frames it as a matter of American credibility. Right now, no one fears us. If we leave Ukraine, we're doing the narrative that they know is uh, we get bored and we leave. We move on to the next thing. That might embolden Beijing to invade Taiwan. Uh, she faults President Biden, saying he's done a terrible job communicating why this is important, a horrible job. If you don't tell the American people why something is important, you can't expect them to be with you. In any event, it, it goes on. And uh, she, uh, she brings up another point uh, at, uh, when she was campaigning in New Hampshire last night uh, and right after the uh, announcement of the Chris Sununu endorsement. And it has to do with uh, the way that uh, she would manage this race against Joe Biden. Uh, we will get to that on the Michael Medved Show and to a debate about anti-Semitism that doesn't involve college presidents, uh, fortunately enough. We'll get to that and more coming up on the Medved Show. Your daily dose of debate. Bingo! Don't bingo me. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, I, I want to thank everybody who has made possible the uh, sailing way past now, the 1,000 subscribers to our new Substack newsletter. That's terrific. It's uh, wonderful. It's energizing. And it uh, makes me even more excited about this series we're doing on Substack about myths, misunderstandings, and lies about the Middle East. Uh, we'll be doing 10-part series. Part 3 is uh, just coming up and uh, should be up there by tomorrow. And uh, in any event, go to michaelmedved.substack.com and, uh, and join us. We're also going to be incorporating a feature that... Uh, uh, we'll feature letters, notes, questions, queries, challenges, answers that I will respond to directly because I like to do that. And uh, we um, are very pleased that the Substack newsletter is going so well. And again, 
I hope you can come uh, join us uh, at michaelmedved.substack.com. And we will certainly feature the conversation we just had with Governor Sununu and uh, Ambassador Haley, uh, who both obviously are uh, enjoying their role in history at this point. Last night, when she was campaigning across New Hampshire with the governor, uh, Nikki Haley talked about uh, some of the new news from a Wall Street Journal poll that ran a potential race between her and Joe Biden. And uh, here's what Nikki Haley had to report. It's clip nine. And Steve, you know, y'all reported yesterday that the Wall Street Journal, um, you know, Trump and Biden have always been head to head. On a good day, he's up two or four within the margin of error. The fact that we defeat Biden by 17 points, that's a mandate to get our economy back on track and get the debt down. That's a mandate to get our kids back up to speed on the basics in education. That's a mandate to close our border. That's a mandate to have the backs of law enforcement get fentanyl off the streets. That's a mandate to have America strong where we prevent wars. We don't get into wars. That's the mandate we're looking for is to get America back on track. And uh, that's uh, Governor Nikki Haley. One of the things that is a factor in presidential races, and you can see this in race after race, uh, is energy. And one of the reasons that uh, George W. Bush uh, actually won against Al Gore was there, there was a difference in energy level. And uh, which occurs, that's partially, that's one of the reasons John Kennedy beat Richard Nixon in another very, very close election. And the energy level that Nikki Haley has begun to display should be very encouraging. And by the way, that doesn't mean that other candidates are uh, worth uh, ignoring or dismissing at this point they're not Uh, especially Ron DeSantis who I think did have his best debate so far in the most recent debate uh, the one in Tuscaloosa Alabama Uh, but he also did a a town hall last night on CNN with Jake Tapper where Governor DeSantis was pretty good Uh, Here's what he sounded like on uniting the country. This is 12.5. How will you specifically help reunite this amazing country? Well, thanks, Grant. I appreciate that. And you're right. Look, I think what we've seen is we've seen fighting polarization for no reason. So, look, there's important issues. You can count on me. I'm going to take strong stands. I'm going to deliver big results. As a leader, when you make decisions, not everyone's going to like it. That just goes with the territory. But I'm not going to do is go out of my way to alienate people for no reason. If there's a substantive disagreement, let the chips fall where they may. But I think if you look at, like, like you know, Trump tweeting and, and attacking people, I think that created division that we didn't need. I think Biden, when he gives that speech in front of the, uh, the thing where his fists are there saying that, that, that MAGA is are like almost anti-American, that creates division. We don't need to be doing that. We need to be focusing on principle. We need to aim higher, uh, and we need to deliver results for people. If you disagree with me 50% of the time, okay, we'll hash that out. But I want to work with you on the other 50%. Heck, if someone agrees with me 20% of the time, 
we can fight on the 80, but you got to be willing when the next issue comes up uh, to be willing to work on, on the 20. That's just how I am as a leader. And in Florida, we had some some tough fights, but I've also done some of my policies that got unanimous support. Some of the things we've done for conservation, some of the things we've done to raise teacher salaries, some of the things we've done to support police officers. So it can be done, but I do think it requires a leader that's going to appeal to the better angels of our nature. That's a Lincoln phrase, of course. And then uh, he actually was pretty aggressive in criticizing uh, Donald Trump, uh, who, after all, is running against him. Uh, this is Governor DeSantis, clip 11. You know, Donald Trump, so he's, uh, when he gets off the teleprompter now, you don't know what he's going to say. It's a different Donald Trump than 15 and 16. You know, back then he was colorful, but it was really America first about the policies. Now, a lot of it's about him. And when he's doing this and says that debating Hillary Clinton after Access Hollywood was like an example of bravery that some general told him was was more significant than soldiers who fight and die in war, that is offensive and that is wrong. Debating is the bare minimum that a political candidate should do. And I would note Donald Trump has refused to debate throughout this campaign. He doesn't think he owes it to Iowans. He doesn't think he owes it to Granite Staters to show up and debate and answer questions. He doesn't think he should come and have to answer questions from voters. A lot of times he'll come and give a speech and leave. He's not going to visit all 99 counties. Nobody is entitled to this nomination. You've got to earn this nomination. And part of the way you do it is you show up, uh, you answer people's questions, uh, you shake their hands, and you show them that you care about the future of their communities. I care about the future of these communities. I care about the future of this country. I'm not running for me. This is not about my issues. It's about your issues, your family's issues, and the future of this country. And that's a a fairly strong response. Uh, There's uh, more. uh, And DeSantis uh, commented on the uh, uh, Sununu endorsement uh, of, uh, of Nikki Haley. And what's fascinating when you hear it is that he refuses to tear into either uh, Governor Chris Sununu or Nikki Haley and indicates that even though he's running against Nikki and uh, he has gotten his own endorsements, by the way, from governors, he has an endorsement of the governor of Iowa, one of the reasons he's expected to be strong in Iowa in particular, uh, that you can recognize people as being on the same team, even uh, if what you're what you're dealing with right now is a very hotly contested primary campaign. Uh, we will be getting to that. We will also be taking a look at uh, a new movie that uh, my writing about it on Substack has actually provoked a really surprisingly ardent uh, kind of response from a lot of you out there. The movie is called Piano Forte, and it's about a young and very dynamic, charismatic people from countries all over the world competing in a piano competition in Warsaw. Uh, Okay, sounds like not a mainstream subject. But uh, wait for the review coming up on the Medved Show.
America loves him. You're the most brilliant radio talk host in America. Hollywood hates him. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains. Michael Medved. And on the Michael Medved show, we're talking about uh, Ron DeSantis, who, as you just heard, was um, uh, credible, strong and direct and effective uh, on a uh, town hall on CNN that he did with Jake Tapper. And uh, Jake Tapper was decent in asking him questions as well. And he did ask him about the Sununu endorsement, uh, because that's certainly helpful to uh DeSantis's chief rival right now for second place in the Republican Party primary, and that's Nikki Haley. And uh, here is the classy and reasonable way uh, that DeSantis responded. Uh, listen. Uh, Republican Governor Chris Sununu endorsed your opponent, Ambassador Nikki Haley. I'm wondering how much harder you think that's going to make your path to victory in New Hampshire. Well, unlike some people running, uh, if someone doesn't endorse me, I'm not going to go trash them. Chris is a good guy. He's done a good job. And I'm going to continue to say he's good. He's a really good campaigner. I mean, excellent campaigner. Uh, so in that sense, I think it's a, it's a benefit for her. But here's the problem. Even a campaigner as good as Chris is not going to be able to paper over uh, Nikki being an establishment candidate. I mean, she's getting funded by liberal Democrats from California, like the uh, founder of LinkedIn, people on Wall Street, like the head of J.P. Morgan. Uh, she's getting all these folks that are going to her. Guess what, guys? Those folks do not want to see conservative change in this country. So why are they gravitating to her? And I think her positions on things like saying her first day in office, she's going to demand that everyone produce their name on social media. She said, I want your name. What, you're going to dox the whole country? Conservatives have been singled out for expressing opinions on social media. People have been canceled. They've lost jobs over this. Why would she want to put our own people under there? So I think there's so many problems uh, with her policy positions. She's really reflective of the old, failed Republican establishment of yesteryear. We do not need to go back to that. But I will say this. Chris is a great, he's done a great job as governor. He's a great campaigner. And I look forward to campaigning with him next fall in New Hampshire as the Republican. Not okay, that's uh, Ron DeSantis. But by the way, the, the idea that uh, she has attracted people who have not given to previous Republican candidates, is that a, a, an encouraging fact about her campaign or does it uh, call it into question? Uh, she also won the endorsement of a the leading conservative grassroots organization in the country, which is Americans for Prosperity. And uh, again, it's the middle of a campaign. But I, if Nikki Haley wins the nomination, I am fairly sure that uh, Ron DeSantis will be out campaigning for her eagerly in Florida and all across the country. And uh, if he wins the nomination, I am sure that she will and certainly should uh, support him for president of the United States. Uh, there is a, um, a piece, and it's, it's fascinating, uh, came out today, and it's a piece about anti-Semitism with the 
uh, Brett Stevens and uh, uh, talking uh, about the issue of anti-Semitism together with uh, Gail Collins, I believe it is, as as usual, who is uh, asking him. And uh, she raises a question, and I think this is fascinating. She said uh, this, that isn't there some truth to the last point? And they're talking about the basis for anti-Semitism. Weren't figures like Paul Wolfowitz largely responsible for taking the U.S. to war in Iraq? And this goes to the old uh, idea that there's this vicious interior group secret conspiracy of neocons who wanted to take us into war against Iraq to help Israel, not really recognizing that the previous wars in Iraq, uh, the first war in Iraq, when uh, Iraq had seized Kuwait, Israel was not allowed to participate in the coalition because there were other Arab states that were there, but it got slammed by missiles uh, from Iraq. So that conspiracy theory is problematic. And uh, here's Brett Stevens' response. He says, actually, the people who took to America to war in Iraq were George W. Bush, Dick Cheney, and Donald Rumsfeld. You could add, I I guess, uh, Condoleezza Rice. Uh, could maybe even add Colin Powell. But blaming second-tier Jewish officials for the actions of top-tier Christian officials is classic anti-Semitism. <clears throat> and he's right. And then uh, his interlocutor says, uh, I hadn't thought of that. And uh, then Brett Stevens says, nor did many of the people who leveled the charge 20 years ago. There's a lot of unwitted anti-Semitism, just as there's a lot of unwitting racism. And of course, he's right. And sometimes there are unwitting acknowledgments of the bankruptcy of progressivism. And that even came from the D.A., of San Francisco, whose name is Brooke Jenkins. That's the new GA replacing the one who was voted out. And he talks about uh, new crime statistics that show the city is getting safer in some areas, finally. And then uh, talks with News Nation about why that's happening. This is clip 13. So what would you attribute some of the reduction in crime to? Certainly it is a, a larger police presence in areas where we know that certain types of crime is more prevalent. And my office stepping into the courtroom and saying certain people must be detained in order to protect public safety and ensuring that there are appropriate consequences for people who commit crime in San Francisco. I often say, go figure, that when you actually enforce laws and have consequences for crime, that you do see numbers trend downward. Um, and we, we needed that in San Francisco. And uh, replacing the prior DA, Chia um, Bodine, uh, with uh, th this uh, new, was a, a definite step upward for the city of San Francisco. And guess what? Conservative solutions sometimes do work. Meanwhile, I mentioned that there's this movie. It's called Piano Forte, and it's a documentary 
but it's exciting and it's spellbinding and it's really a uh, film about the musical Olympics, the Chopin competition for pianists in Warsaw, Poland. Listen. Now it's time for Medved's Entertainment Minute. The International Chopin Piano Competition is one of the most celebrated music contests in the entire world. And it's now the subject of an intriguing new documentary called Piano Forte, now streaming on HBO Max. I mean, these, these people are just serious machines, you know? They train their whole lives. Nobody likes competitions, and everybody does it. It's like Olympics of piano. And like the Olympics, the best part of this movie is getting to know the diverse personalities who are going head-to-head -to, -head to see who wins the grand prize and the fame and fortune that accompany it. There's more emphasis here on backstage preparation and interaction than there is celebration of the magnificent music behind the whole show. But the vivid personality portraits make Piano Forte worth watching. Not officially rated, but two and a half stars for a well-executed documentary that is definitely Definitely a competitor. And uh, it, it is fascinating that on our Substack, and uh, you can join our Substack community by going to michaelmedved.substack.com and uh, just sign up for a subscription. Uh, be part of that community, which responded remarkably well when we posted the initial review of. Uh, piano forte and people were actually excited by the film and glad to see it glad to see people actually caring deeply about music speaking about caring deeply uh we'll be talking tomorrow about uh the booming economy and hope that that boom continues uh through the rest of the week the rest of the year the uh, stock market went up today 512 points. It's over 37,000 uh, for the Dow Jones. Now, there are some people who are saying this probably means a big Biden electoral blowout. But he, he hasn't responded in the polls. The, the better the economic news the worst Joe Biden seems to fare in some of the polling. Why is that? Why does that work? Uh, then Friday, we're going to be uh, speaking to Chris Christie, uh, one of the most stubborn critics of Donald Trump and his presidential campaign. That and much more coming up the rest of this momentous week.